then I became known in the WordPress space as a podcast expert. And so I focused on a lot of content on podcasting. So I think that that challenge is kind of trying not to alienate my current audience, uh, trying to bring them along with me while also building an audience that's way more primed for my podcast services. Welcome to episode four of season nine of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a brand new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in all podcast apps. There's no reason not to listen to it. If you've heard the show before, why not leave us a rating or review on iTunes? It does help others find the podcast. This season is titled Building a Better and More Profitable Business. It's all about leveling up our businesses to help create a more profitable and sustainable business in our lives. Especially in this COVID and soon to be post-COVID time, I think it's important to be able to learn from one another in any way that we can. Today's co-host is Joe Casabona. Joe is a podcaster, a web developer, and course creator. I've known Joe for a long time in and around the WordPress space. And well, we're both baseball fans. Too bad he's a Yankee fan though. (laughs) But he's been making websites for 20 years, teaching for 10, and podcasting for 7. In this episode, we dive into podcasting and how to use it for your services, how to be more comfortable in front of the mic, what that checklist of things to do should be to get your podcast going and then how to take the pressure off. We also talk about how to start a show and what to pay attention to, as well as getting through that grind and burnout as your show grows. Joe shares a super quick tip for capturing content ideas and the most surprising thing about podcasting. You can find all about Joe at his website, casabona.org start and reach out to him on Twitter and say thanks at jcasabona. This is a fun one. And as you'll hear in the show, even a Met and Yankee fan can get along and have some laughs. So let's dive in. Are you feeling like you're in a silo all by yourself with no one to bounce ideas off of? Are you looking to get predictable revenue into your service-based business? Do you want better clients who respect you? Well, gain the support from like-minded developers, designers, and other creative professionals providing client services inside a Feast Club. Forget those stale articles from 2008 giving you advice on how to run your business. It's 2021. Join Feast Club today and get access to a community, including myself, where we share what we're working on in real time, strategies and resources that work in today's market, and ideas and support for one another in a safe place. You'll get access to a private podcast, which has bonus episodes from some of the guests in this season that you can only get inside a Feast Club. You'll also get access to a monthly one-hour virtual meetup, a private Slack and Circle community, member-only content library, 
access to message yours truly directly. Also, you're going to get exclusive expert workshops from folks like Kaylee Moore on pricing, Robin Kennedy on email, and Nick Gulig on sales, and so many more. There is no better time than right now to learn from those a few steps ahead of you and leverage your skills to help and support others to grow all of our businesses together. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. I hope to see you on the inside of the club. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome, Feasters, to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited to have Joe on the show. Welcome, Joe. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> We've known each other in the WordPress circles for quite some time. I'm really interested to hear your take on this because, I mean, you did design development, you know, that sort of thing in the WordPress space. I did development on that side of that. But we've sort of morphed our career or pivoted in some small way. I mean, we're just going to dive right into the fire here. What What was that like for you? Like, one, why the shift? And we still do WordPress, which is, is, is funny, but it's just not what we're putting ourselves out there for. So why that? And two, what was the decision making process around that? Yeah. So why, why was I so squarely in the WordPress space? And then why did I decide to kind of shift away from it? I want to expand my audience outside of the WordPress space because I am known mostly as a developer in the WordPress space. And I'm kind of pivoting a little bit more into, not kind of, I'm fully pivoting uh, into podcast courses, consulting, and coaching. Uh, So in the WordPress space, I think that my target audience was, uh, or my niche was a bit limited to like hosting companies or bigger companies that had the budget to podcast. You know, I think you probably know as well as I do that not just WordPress, but people who are fully committed to the open source communities, WordPress, Android, whatever, have maybe tighter purse strings than uh, than people outside of, of the space, right? That's why like iOS apps are generally more profitable than Android apps, even though there's way more Android devices. And I found the same thing in WordPress. You know, it's the, you can, if you can get something for free, why would you pay for it is the philosophy that I've seen a lot in WordPress. And a lot of do-it-yourselfers are in WordPress. That's, and a lot of my courses are based on do-it-yourself. But if I, if I want to do it for people, now I have to find an audience outside of the do-it-yourselfers. That last way is a much more diplomatic way to put it than, than the first way I put it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we're, I mean, we're in business to make money, right? Like, I, I get it, right? Like, we're both here to help people and have them accomplish goals that they set out for. But at the same time, like, there is the do-it-yourself crowd and then there is the do-it-for-me crowd, right? And the do-it-for-me crowd is the ones that, is the crowd that says, hey, look, Maybe I can do this, maybe not, but you know what? I'd much rather just focus in on what I'm good at and stick to my lane and hire somebody else to come in and help me do the other things that I need to do. I mean, that's what I found with the email marketing and automation. I flocked 
towards e-commerce. I've always loved e-commerce and that's where I grew up as an e-commerce developer, you know, through Ruby on Rails, WordPress and so on and so forth. And so that's my sweet spot, but it was always with the sense of like, if they're making money, then I can make money too, right? And so, so I get that, I get that. What was the biggest hurdle for you moving that way? I think it's, it's building that new audience. And this has been something I've been working on for several years now, not necessarily just podcast niche, right? Or niche, but the non-developer crowd, right? My first course was like how to launch a blog, which by the way, sold horribly because everybody in my audience already knew how to launch a blog. (laughs) Uh, And so that was like my first lesson in like, maybe I should do some more market research, but I really wanted to focus on the non-coding courses, right? Um, I do coding courses for LinkedIn Learning, uh, but for my own audience, I wanted to focus on the site builder. I realized that, hey, you don't really need to code to launch a small business's website in most cases. And so that pivot started uh, a few years ago when I started to build out more courses like non-code courses. And then I became known in the WordPress space as a podcast expert. And a lot of people, agencies, otherwise um, mentors and stuff like that told me, you know, I should, I should really go full on into podcasting. And so I focused a lot, especially in the last year, and especially, especially when the pandemic hit, I focused on a lot of content on podcasting. So uh, I think that that challenge is kind of, trying not to alienate my current audience, trying to bring them along with me while also building an audience that's way more primed for my podcast services. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that's something that I've always tried to balance as well, right? Like as developers, how can where I'm shifting the business also bring those people along? And and you probably found this yourself is that there's always those super fans that are going to follow you. And the, the nice thing that I've found is, is like, I'm a developer. That's what I call myself. But yet I have somebody in my community who is a drone photographer. What wow. do I know about drones <laughs> and what do I know about photography? Yeah. But those kind of people, they have a certain, people have needs. And, and if you provide a solution out there in a way that's in a digestible way that they can get that answer or get that solution fulfilled... Yeah, they're gonna find you, right? So I think that that's that's. It, have you found that yourself as you started to shift your audience? Yeah, I I actually found this year that there was a lot of interest in people starting podcasts, and we know again when the pandemic first hit, I decided that I would give some of my time and say, hey, if you want a fifteen minute free consult, whatever your biggest hurdle in podcasting is sign up on Calendly and and we'll chat for 15 minutes. And that was really rewarding because it helped people. But somebody did straight up ask me point blank, like, what are you getting out of this? <laughs> and to be, I mean, to be honest, like, yes, I wanted to help people, but it was a little bit of market research. If I learned what people's struggles were, then I could put out content free or paid to help them with those struggles. So I did, I give, I gave very targeted advice to people. And now I'm on their radar for when they actually want to launch. And then I also understood the struggles that people were having with launching a podcast, which made my educational content better. 
Yeah, I, I've I've done that grassroots sort of just ten minutes of your time, and yeah. <laughs> it's funny how skeptical some people are though. I, yeah, I'm like what's in it for you? I mean, like I yeah, I'm not being. Yeah, there is a benefit for me, but I'm like, I mean, an optimist can find the benefit in anything, right? Like, right, right exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny though because you know I'm you know not to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I'm doing I'm just learning LinkedIn now. Like, I've always been a part of LinkedIn and on there and stuff like that, but I've never really paid attention to that platform. But now I'm starting to do a little bit of outreach, right, to it, and just making connections with people that I'm already connected to and those second and third degree connections. And somebody replied back, go, this is the first out cold outreach thing that actually seemed sort of genuine. And I, I, was, I didn't even know how to even take that. From it. Yeah. I was like, is this, is this a dig at me? Or is this like, you know, like I'm still trying to network. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just funny how that, how that happens. So before we dive in to a couple of questions that I have specifically on podcasting and how service-based businesses can use podcasts for their business. I always like to ask, what has been your defining moment in life so far? Yeah, that is, that's such an interesting question. It's the only one you prepped me on and I still don't, I still don't feel like I have a good answer, Uh, but I will pick a one of two. I think the first is more obvious, more connected to my now life after my daughter, my daughter being born. I feel like that's like a cliche, Uh, but it forced me to go self-employed. Like as like, it was the catalyst for me wanting to go self-employed. I've always been self-employed in some way, all since high school, all through college, full-time after college. But then I got a full-time job because I needed, you know, like insurance. And I was working for an agency when my daughter was born And then I realized that the agency life and the family life that I wanted to have did not jive. So that kind of forced me to start my business. So my business is a little more than three years old, full time, I guess, at this point. And um, I'm I'm very happy that A, I found the strength to, to do it with a family. And B, uh, and this, I guess, informs A, that my wife was insanely supportive. Um, like she trusted me to be able to do this. Maybe it was the sleep deprivation. Uh, but <laughs> a few years on and, and you know, we bought, we bought a house and we're doing well. We have another kid. So that was the, I think that's the, the more directly related event. But um, my second grade teacher told me one day to stay after school and go to a drama club meeting. Uh, and I didn't know what drama club was because I was in second grade. I assume she called my parents because somebody did pick me up. But that day started my life as kind of a performer. Like I did drama club up until college. And I feel like that has helped me with my YouTube videos and public speaking and the podcast. So that influence so early on in my life affected what I'm doing now in such a way that I got to be very thankful to Miss McCullough, sister. I think it's sister McCullough now. So, so thank you. She's listening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's that's awesome. At yeah. least you didn't say one of the World Series wins. Yeah. <laughs> I would have. I would have just mean, cut the whole feed. The nineteen ninety six. That would have been it. Done. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah. I mean, it, what's funny is like you know I'm a diehard Met fan. I know you're a Yankee fan, and my wife is a Yankee fan. And how are you raising was, the kids? I don't know. They could probably be Rockies fans or something, right? Like, because the thing is, is like my wife doesn't care about football or hockey or anything. Like it's baseball, right? Like she's a baseball mom. She could, she's going to be a baseball mom, the whole thing, right? The one thing that was funny was during our engagement party, one of her cousins came up to us and said, so what's it feel like being in a mixed marriage? And we both kind of like looked at each other because it was just, it was not in context. It was mm-hmm. just off, off, like, you know, mingling and stuff like that. And, and she goes, well, he's a Met fan and you're a Yankee fan. How's <laughs> that going to work out? It's, uh, it's funny. That's fantastic. But, hey, so, I'll, I will say the 1986 World Series, I was like one, but that's a defining <laughs> moment in my life, right? Kept the curse going. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, so that actually brings me to one of the questions that I had was service-based industries or businesses, rather. We have all these marketing channels that we can go, these shiny objects, Facebook ads, we hear blogging, we hear all these things that we should be doing. And we hear it from those that are successful doing them. And, you know, I mean, we were talking about Pat Flynn before, right? And Pat Flynn's known for his podcasts, right? And that's what he's great at. Like, you never really hear him talk about ancillary stuff like email marketing and webinars and all of those things because they're part of his business. But he's not the TikTok guru or Instagram guru, right? Like, he's focused in on podcasts because that's what he's great at. For those service-based businesses that are interested in podcasting, maybe they are have already started some podcasting. You mentioned Drama Club. You're attributing your performing on the podcasts to that background. Somebody that doesn't have that background, what would you say to them to say, hey, to put a little bit more performance into it, how would you coach them or how, what would you suggest them to do, practice, learn about? those sort of things? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one that I get from a lot of people like privately. Uh, I don't know if I've already answered it on a podcast, so uh, I'm excited. It's mostly about getting your reps in, right? Like practice. The more that you speak to a microphone, the more comfortable you'll, you will be, the more comfortable you speak to a camera or the more often you speak to a camera, the more comfortable you'll be. And then, you know, there's in marketing, there's the idea of the ideal customer avatar, right? And, and so uh, you define your customer in such a way that you have a person in mind, essentially, that you're speaking to. Do the same thing for your podcast. Come up with the ideal customer avatar for your podcast. And then in your head, maybe start your first sentence with like Amy or whatever. Amy's just a name I picked out of nowhere. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and act like you're talking to that person because it will feel more conversational to you, especially if you want to do a solo show, which I think a solo show is like the lowest barrier of entry. You get on a microphone and you talk about something you really know. Um, but it's, it's all about practicing, right? Cause the first time I stepped on stage, I was not comfortable. And I had somebody there telling me, giving me the cues and telling me how I can be better. Um, but record yourself. Doesn't have to be for anybody or for release. 
listen back, record yourself again, and you'll get more comfortable over time. Yeah, that, that's some great advice as far as like that ideal audience member or listener, right? Like akin to that, that ideal customer. So I've had some folks reach out to me because one, they listen to the podcast and they are a service-based owner. Um, and then they start to get overwhelmed with everything about it. They've listened to tons and tons of podcasts before and they're like, okay, I've seen podcast websites. I, I kind of get the idea. I need a microphone. I got to, you know, do this. But then all of it hits, like all the back end stuff, right? And they get overwhelmed. They're like, holy cow, there's like five hours per one half hour show and like all of the things that I need to do. What would you say to somebody that is either just starting or maybe they have like 10 episodes in to help them get over that overwhelm of like, hey, I need to do all this stuff. Like, is there a priority list as far as new podcasts go that they should really just execute on this and then go down the road of, of the complexities later on? Yeah, definitely. I, first of all, I think having a checklist is so important. Uh, you know, I have a checklist, a checklist that I consult before every interview and then before post-production for everything I need to do. Uh, so the first thing I would recommend is you don't have a podcast without recording. So just record. It doesn't need to be perfect. People are like way more forgiving, especially now of like ambient noises because they know that people are recording from home and people don't have this kind of setup that, you know, I have that's supposed to like filter out a crying baby or whatever. I don't know if it's effective, but <laughs> I say I don't know, but I know. So just record your episodes, do a bunch in a row. I think if you batch a couple of recordings, it makes it easier. You're in that mindset already. Have a checklist and then, you know, focus on hitting the publish button. Again, if you have three or four episodes ready to go, then you give yourself a month's leeway. And then the other thing I would recommend is with the, the length and frequency of the podcast, How Stuff Works uh, is one of the longest running podcasts that I know of. It is a very popular podcast and their episodes were like eight minutes to start uh, and now they're longer. So you don't have to start off with an hour long episode. Uh, just do 15 minutes, see how it feels. And similarly, you don't have to start off with a weekly podcast. Try it monthly, you know, and, and as long as you're consistent and your listeners know what to expect, then when you get into a good groove, you can be like, hey, just a heads up, things are going super well. I'm going to switch to weekly. But monthly shorter episodes takes the pressure off a little bit while also helping you kind of find your voice and your groove. Yeah, I think that that's, that's great advice because, I mean, I... Before this podcast, I had a previous podcast and it was a monthly podcast. It was WP Dev Table. And we always just said it was the, the most irregular podcast that you could find because we knew we wanted to do it once a month. But I'm here in New York. The other co-host was in Australia. It was really, it took us three days to figure out a time that we could actually <laughs> line up together, right? Yeah. And so it was just, we wanted to geek out on the tech Right. And like we bring people on. It was roundtable. We did Google Hangouts. It was like, you know, I didn't have any mixers or anything like that. It was Google Hangouts, press the record button and then away we went. And so just being able to then get in that practice, get into a cadence, get into 
what your voice is going to sound like too. Cause it took me a little while to listen back because you mm-hmm. kind of have to. Yeah. But for me, that was the biggest hurdle. Like, oh, I really don't want to hear myself. <laughs> like, I just want to have conversations with people. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was a learning curve to just get into the habit. And that batching idea is great too. When I did the daily podcast for a little while and I was just like, all right, Mondays, I'm just going to batch up all five done right and so by the third one i'm like okay now i'm in the room yeah (laughs) you're in that groove you don't have to context switch every day so it feels like less of a grind you're just like all right monday's podcast day and you brought up a good point too like the background noise there are times where like just off camera oh no you probably could see it but sometimes my cat climbs out of there right and so (laughs) i got a cat tree back there and i forget that he's there right and so like nine times out of ten i'll kick him out of the room but once in a while, I forget. And then I'll hear him meow because he'll come to the door in my office and he'll meow and want to go out. There are times where he'll appear in a podcast in the background, but I'll hear him. Right? Yeah. Nobody else hears him. But as you said, like the background noise is, it, it is a thing, right? But at the same time, don't worry about it as much. People see that blinking red light. And I feel like it's like, uh-oh, I got to be in a tuxedo. I got to yeah. sound perfect. I got to... You know, yeah, and here, like, this is something that I tell everybody you don't need to sound like you're at NPR or whatever, you just should not sound like you're recording in a bathroom stall. Like, that is as long as it's not like echoey and loud and like it's unlistenable, then you're okay. And like, you can cover that with a $40 headset or a a $60 ATR2100 microphone, like, super forgiving of the environment. You can hold it close to your mouth and you'll sound leaps and bounds better than the built-in microphone. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that I see like newscasters now because they're at home and not like on and like professional TV and sound people. And it's like the worst audio ever. And I'm like, can somebody mail this person a microphone? Yeah, someone send this dude a kit, right? (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah, I thought the same thing. People were recording from home. I'm like, uh, like, it was like a very Ron Burgundy thing. Like, oh, you just need to point him at the teleprompter and he'll talk. Like, get a good microphone. Like, get a good setup. It's not that hard. It's also something that you and I, we've been working, I've been working from home all of my career, except for three years when I worked at the University of Scranton. It's something I put a lot of thought into. So like, you know, maybe it's just something that we think about more. We don't have to go to a studio or everything set up for us, but it is somebody on the team should be like, can we send this guy like a $50 mic, like a $50 lapel mic will sound great. (laughs) That's exactly what I told my wife. I forget what we were watching. I don't know. We're watching something. And a guy was sitting in his living room with his fireplace. He probably thought like, oh, this is going to look awesome because I got my fireplace back there and stuff like that. And he was using his laptop microphone and he was probably like 10, 15 feet away. And I go, can somebody get this guy a lavalier mic? Like (laughs) road lab, just Google it. Like, you know, somebody find this guy. And my wife was like, oh, what? I'm like, just a microphone. (laughs) Pin this guy a microphone. Yeah, (laughs) just terrible. Right here under the shirt. It's fine. Just clip it. You're good. I'm like, even give this guy a pair of AirPods or something. Like, yeah, like literally anything that's not the built-in microphone. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's the thing too. Like, I've, I've heard that from video too. Like, I'm not a video guy. Uh, I'm starting to get in that in certain 
areas of my business. But people say like, for me, I'm like, oh, video, it's got to be perfect, like lighting and everything. It's got to be consistent. Like I'm in a room full of windows. So consistency is gone. But people are like, as long as the sound is good, then go video. Really? But somebody's watching this, but they're more forgiving of bad video than mm-hmm. bad sound. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? With video, like a loom cube or something like a single source light in front of your face can go a long way because like in a darker environment, your camera has to work harder. So as, as long as you make its job easier and, and like, I mean, like I've got a, a pretty distracting background right now. I, I have some things set up for when I record my YouTube videos and like ambient lighting and stuff nice. like that. <laughs> And but, for those that are listening, he just changed his lighting. <laughs> I don't know. He, he reached down to his desk and he changed his lighting from bright white light to green and back again. So, so and again, this is like stuff I've put way too much effort into, but just a little, a little bit of light, like a light source behind your camera in front of your face can go a long way to making yourself look better. So when coming up with a an idea for a podcast, right? And so go to Joe's website. He's got podcastliftoff.com. He's got casabona.org slash start. He, he has tons and tons of resources, blog, videos, all of these things on how to think about podcasts, what gears to use, and all of these other things. But the thing that I get asked a lot about is as a developer or as a designer, I want to start a podcast, but I'm not really sure what to talk about. And how do I know that it's just not going to be something that's going to be three episodes and then I have run out? What would you say to that person? So I would say that when you are thinking about starting a podcast, Simon Sinek has this great book, Start With Why. This is, I reference this in the first lesson of my course, but ask yourself, why are you starting a podcast? Is it to help people do X? Is it to establish yourself as an expert in some field? Uh, is it to help yourself learn something? That's essentially why I started my podcast uh, was so that I can interview people and learn things and hopefully other people learn too. But having that why will help you stay the course because podcasting can be a grind. It's a lot of work, especially starting out because uh, there's a lot of stuff you need to think about. And then uh, once you have your why, then you can come up with, I recommend 20 to 25 episode titles. Uh, Just come up with episode ideas. There's no bad ideas in brainstorming. And then figure out the first five to 10 that you want to record first. I think a lot of people also worry that there's already a podcast on whatever. But let me tell you, I started my podcast and like three months later, NPR launched a very similar podcast in both name and mission. Uh, so, um, you know, if, if NPR doesn't care that this idea is already, <laughs> you don't have to either. Yeah, but it's a lot like blogging in that way, right? Like, you know, people don't not start blogs because it's already been done. And with podcasting, there are less than 1 million active podcasts. For comparison's sake, there's over 31 million YouTube channels. So, we're still at the beginning of podcasting. Uh, so if you're worried that like uh, nobody wants to listen to me talk about this, you're wrong. Uh, if you're worried, hey, nobody's going to want this because there's already a podcast that talks about it, you're wrong. Uh, just 
find why you want to start a podcast, what's going to drive you and record those first few episodes. Yeah. I just recorded an episode, actually the hundredth episode of this podcast with Matt Medeiros, where he was the host. And, you know, we were talking about like the longevity of a podcast. Right. And so there's like this, you're going to hit a grind, right? It's going to be like, oh, maybe I've reached the limit. Maybe I've reached the end. And then all of a sudden it just picks back up again. And like you said, like for me, it was the the why. Like it was around episode 50, 60, around there where it was like, okay, maybe I've run my course. Maybe I've said everything I need to say or whatever, right? But then it was like this light bulb moment sort of thing where I was like, hey, look, there's more to say on these other things. There's other people to bring in. There's other voices to be heard, right? And so, you know, for me, it was like, once you get over that little bit of a hurdle and you don't need a hundred, right? Just keep doing it and you'll get there. What would you say to those people that are have had a show for a little while and like, maybe they feel like it's run its course. Like you said before, like, okay, I've done 15 minute shows up until this point but I'm kind of getting bored of it. Maybe the audience is getting, maybe the growth isn't as it once was, right? Maybe it's flatline. What would you say to people to try to figure out how to get over that hurdle? Yeah, absolutely. And I totally understand that. I'm over 200 episodes at this point. I messed up my numbering because I didn't count bonus episodes as like episode numbers. So like I'm <laughs> yeah, do on- Do you count that? I didn't. Uh, I, I don't either. <laughs> so I'm technically on episode like 197 as we record this. Episode 200 will kick off the new year. Nice. Um, Congrats. But uh, um, yeah, thank you. But I'm at like 211 with my bonus episodes or whatever. So like, <laughs> great. <laughs> so what I would say is that there are lots of different formats a podcast can take, right? We have the interview show. I think that's probably the most common one. But there's the solo show. There's like a news bites, right? Uh, there are panel shows, uh, roundtable discussions. I would caution you to keep those to like four people max though. And definitely have a clear moderator. Like somebody who doesn't opine just asks the questions and moderates the discussion. So, so first of all, if you're like, I don't know what else I could say, mix it up. There are lots of people out there who want to share their expertise and maybe they don't know how. Uh, so reach out to people. And, and then there are, um, you know, there are services like Podmatch is one. I think we probably have a, a mutual friend, Nathan Wrigley, who started one. I think it's called Podcast Bookers or something like that. It'll help you match your show with guests. Uh, so the guest outreach can, can be a little bit easier. Uh, and then repurpose content. You probably aren't only doing a podcast, right? Maybe you're writing a newsletter. Uh, maybe you blog every once in a while. Maybe you have a YouTube channel. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm working on a podcast series called Podcast Success Stories, and they're going to be like 15-minute YouTube conversations, and I will absolutely combine like three of those into a single episode for my podcast. It's good content across both mediums. So I like to jot down content ideas as I get them in an app called TOT, T-O-T. It's for iOS and Mac OS, but any notes app will do. Uh, and then I move the good ones into Airtable. And I label them podcast, blog, YouTube, and then I prioritize them. And I say, this is one that definitely I should do sooner. This one I can back burner for when I'm like really reaching, but keeping a running list of content that you can produce helps 
with the I'm getting burnt out. I don't know if this is going to work in the long term. Yeah, no, that's a great idea to keep like what I do the same thing. I use Notion, though, just content ideas. And I use the Notion on my app, content idea, boom, put it in a thing, then move it over into my content database that actually just holds the actual ideas that I'm going to run with. I think that, that that's a anybody creating any sort of content out there that you kind of have to have that quick entry point. And I think that because you never know when you're going to get the idea I'm dropping my kid off at preschool, like standing there in the cold weather, waiting for the teacher to open up the door. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm not going to remember by the time I get back home. So absolutely. Uh, you know, something that helps me too, especially when I have my hands full um, <laughs> is because I've got two small kids now. Uh, I have on my Apple watch an app called drafts that you press the complication and it just, you can record like endlessly. I don't know what they did on the watch to, to do that, but you record and it'll create a note. The speech to text is pretty good there, better than Siri, which is weird because it's like, it's gotta be the same engine, right? Anyway, uh, and then it'll just be a note in your drafts app on your phone uh, later. So that's worked out. But now on the Apple watch, you can also run Siri shortcuts. So if you do have a preferred app like Tot or notes or whatever, you can run the shortcut and just record there too. So having that quick entry is super important. And I've been like out on walks, slash almost runnings um, or like <laughs> <laughs> pushing a, a double decker stroller that I have now. And I get an idea and I'm like, I don't have hands, but I have my watch. Yeah. That's awesome. So one final question that I have, and I'm really interested in hearing what you feel about this. What has been the most surprising thing about podcasting for you? Ooh, that's a good question. I think the most let's say persistently surprising thing is that I always thought the big names were the people who were going to get the most downloads. Uh, I interviewed Peter Hollins. I am a huge fan of Peter Hollins. He's an acapella artist. He's all over YouTube, but he's so, so talented. And I got him on my show. It was like the right timing because he just released his uh, creator Academy uh, to help other people become YouTubers essentially. And so he came on my show and I'm like, this is going to kill it. This dude has 2 million YouTube subscribers, but you know what? My podcast ain't on YouTube. The people were not as engaged in that content as I thought. The same thing goes with um, Tim Campos, Tim Campos, a former CTO of Facebook and founder of Woven. I was like, this is going to be amazing content, but, and here's the surprising bit. That was a long preamble. The most popular episodes were with guests that were relatable to my audience because we're all going through it at the same time. So that, that has been the most surprising thing to me. And it's changed the direction for who I try to get on the show, right? Like, sure, I would love to talk to like Bill Gates or whatever, not or whatever. Bill Gates is actually like my dream guest. But if I could talk to a freelancer like me, who's five, three years, four years into business. And they're like, how do I hire a VA? I can ask you very real questions about that and get real answers and be like, Hey, this person's like me. Maybe I should hire a VA. And those are the episodes that do really well. Yeah. That example brought to you by the fact that I'm like going through hiring a VA right now. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're a VA listening to this and there are yeah. Some of you in the audience yeah. reach out to Joe. Yeah. It's, yeah, let it, me know. it is, it is funny too, because similarly I've thought certain topics, right? Because each 
you know, each season has a theme, but then there's certain topics that I dive in on. Certain topics would be the home runs. I'm like, oh, we're talking pricing. Like that's going to be the home run hitter, right? But what's awesome about the podcast analytics is it's all anonymous. It's anonymous to the extent of like, you don't know who's listening to what, right? You just see the download numbers. You see maybe where the region is and stuff like that. However, it's surprising to see the actual shows that are the most downloads when I'm like, oh, pricing is going to be it or getting clients is going to be it. Like, it's just, it's not like when crisis hits, how do you handle it? Like, I would have never thought that, you know, but like, okay, that's the interesting stuff. And like you said, you learn and you adjust accordingly. So that's awesome. So before I let you go, what's up next for the next six, 12 months? Yeah. So I, uh, like, I, I think I mentioned this in the beginning of the show, not just the pre-show, but just in case I did hire a, a PR person just as a single session to help me kind of figure out my messaging and how to get the word out because, you know, my audience now is primarily outside of my, my niche. And so they actually are niche. Uh, this is the first time I, I use niche instead of niche. <laughs> Um, I say niche all the time, but I took French in school. So maybe that's why <laughs> I've got that hard American accent. Or whatever. <laughs> say manicotti and I'll lose it. Right. <laughs> so will my wife. <laughs> She's a hundred percent of time. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no saying that. Um, so they actually helped me define a new niche. So moving forward, I'm going to be really hitting hard on podcasting, helping people launch their podcasts and specifically uh, helping speakers, authors, and course creators get into podcasting. They proposed that, and I thought it was so perfect because I'm all three, and I feel like I can really provide value there. So uh, I'm going to focus on the course and my services. I still have my membership for people who want to build websites without code, and I, I'm I'm going to build that up a little bit. But um, over, you know, if you talk to me a year from now, hopefully I will have a good set of clients that I'm helping manage their podcasts and a good community of podcasters behind it. Well, we'll have to circle back in a year. He said it here, folks, 12 months. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you for sharing some time and wisdom with us. Where can people reach out and say thanks? Uh, yeah. So you can find me over at casabona.org slash start. Uh, I've got the slash start there because it just covers like the three main topics that I'm best known for. And I am on Twitter kind of, and most social networks at Jay Casabona. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joe. We'll obviously put all of those links in the show notes. So go ahead and click on there and, and hop over and uh, say thanks to Joe. Joe, thanks for coming out and spending some time today. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. For everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. <laughs>